0: Welcome to This Week in Video Games episode 42. My name's Tom Kershaw and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week I've been looking ahead to some of the most anticipated games of 2020, as well as playing through Control, one of 2019's best games I missed. I've also been playing a new indie game called Leonard's Inception, a top-down RPG Zelda-like from Bit Studio. I also had the chance to catch up with Jay Bayliss from Bitten Studio to talk about the release of Lens Inception. So, it's a jam-packed show, let's get to it! Welcome to the show everyone, I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm good this week. So we're in the deep, dark depths of January, and it certainly feels like it. It's cold outside, but thankfully, there's plenty of games to be playing. Feels like it's been a quiet few weeks for releases, not counting Dragon Ball Kakarot. I'm Not really into Dragon Ball myself, so I gave that one a miss. But I've been using this time to catch up on some of last year's best titles. My backlog is growing week on week and I'm determined to get through Control, Disco Elysium and Death Stranding ASAP. So we've had a bunch of games delayed in the past week or so with Cyberpunk, that's moved to September. We've got Dying Light 2, that's been delayed indefinitely final fantasy 7 remake got moved from march to april and avengers has been moved to september too so in a way this is good news because the dev teams they're going to spend more time polishing these games however in another way it seems like Companies like CD Projekt Red specifically, they're going to be crunching hard in the early part of this year. So so I'm all for game delays and I don't mind too much. So we've got so many games to play, especially now with services like Xbox Game Pass, where you can pay a small fee and have a huge library of amazing games. However, crunch definitely is not a good thing and we need to do more to make games sustainably. So I had a chat last year with Emily Grace Buck, formerly of Telltale Games, uh, specifically about crunch, and I'm looking forward to discussing more on this topic this year with other developers. Right, first up this week, let's get into what I've been playing this week. So this week, I've been playing through Control from Remedy Entertainment, which is one of 2019's best games. It's been on my backlog for some time and I was holding off from buying because I had so many other games to play, but then it was available for nearly 50% off on the Epic Games Store over Christmas. So I've really been enjoying Control and I've got the review for that later in the show. I've also been playing Leonard's Inception. So this little indie gem caught my eye as I'm a huge Zelda fan and it's a top-down pixel art RPG similar to Link to the Past. So I was lucky enough to catch it with Jay Bayless too this week, one half of Bitten Studio, the new team behind Leonard's Inception. Also this week, much like most weeks, I've been enjoying Destiny 2, and we had a huge new community puzzle released into the game in the form of The Corridors of Time. So you can check out my YouTube channel for a full lowdown on The Corridors of Time, but it went a little something like this. So it all started Tuesday the 14th of January with a new quest called Exploring the Corridors of Time is added into Destiny 2. Started off, we had to go and see Osiris, pick up the quest and then start running through the corridors of time. It soon became apparent that all the doors in the corridors of time were open and you could simply keep going and going and going and going infinitely if you didn't know where you were going. So then we noticed that the obelisks, they had codes on them and these codes were changing each hour and then we used these codes to run through the corridor of time to find a tomb at the end. So in the tomb room, there was a ghost, a sword and a grave. And there was also a transparent floor. When standing on the floor, there were three question marks that were revealed. And by interacting with this, new law was opened up called the pigeon and the Phoenix. And I'll link that down in the show notes. It's really, really cool law. So the law had 19 parts to it. And over the next few hours, these law pieces opened up until we had all 19 pieces. So these 19 pieces were then put together in the form of a new puzzle, and this led us to phase two of the puzzle of the Corridors of Time. So on forming this new map with the 19 pieces, then making our way through this new map, at the end of the Corridors of Time, we found an emblem with access to a reveal code. The code was seemingly unique, or nearly unique, as thousands started to get uncovered. The community then aggregated this data into huge spreadsheets, forming a huge new map out of individual Guardian hexagons. This was a massive community effort with players all getting together. People from raid secrets, streamers, players, guardians from all over the world. Working together and aggregating data, slowly putting together this map eventually, the map was put together, and this all led us to finding out that it was our grave in this timeline, and Saint-14 was given a speech saying how we were his mentor, and we were buried with our favourite weapon. So this opened up the quest for Bastion early, which is a new exotic fusion rifle in the game. So countless hours by multiple guardians were put into this quest in solving the puzzle. It was huge in scale and complexity. However, the result has been a little bit divisive. So, as the puzzle went on, expectations were raised in the community as to what the reward could be. So, everyone thought we'd get like an exotic sword because there was a sword there on the tomb in the corridors of time. So, ideas ranged from Dark Drinker, Raze Lighter, Galahorn, and Vex Mythoclast, uh, which were all weapons from Destiny 1. Only a few people thought it was going to be Bastion, and when it was discovered, there was a huge outpour of frustration. There's a feeling in the community that the effort put into solving the puzzle didn't really match the reward. However, i was really into the puzzle i got all the lore, the emblem and submitted a puzzle piece of my own Uh, i didn't play a huge part in solving the puzzle but i did enjoy watching others come together working hard to solve it and uh, it would have been good though if there was more in the game for example if you're not on social media or reddit uh, for some reason then it's likely then it's unlikely you would have heard of this other than the in-game prompts So perhaps there could have been some indication in the tower or there was like a website, maybe Bungie that put together where you could submit puzzle pieces and it could feel a little bit more inclusive. Overall, it was another fantastic puzzle and Destiny 2 is famous for its puzzles. And it's one of the things which I really think Destiny sets itself apart in terms of these puzzles. So really, really fun. And I was getting up every day, watching streamers, discovering new content, discovering new people, and uh, really, really enjoyed myself and Bastion. It's not bad of all weapons, so if any of this sounds of any interest to you, get involved with Destiny 2. It's super, super fun. Right, that's what I've been playing this week. But first up this week, let's have a look forward to my most anticipated games of 2020. There were some who said that 2019 was a weak year for games with no major AAA games breaking through and leaving indie games to shine. So 2020 looks like it's shaping up a stronger year with some huge sequels and some brand new IP to get excited about. So they're not in any particular order, they're just a few announced games that look exciting. So let's get into my most anticipated games of 2020. So first up, it's Ori and the Will of the Wisps. So Ori and the Blind Forest was a great example of a Metroidvania game back in 2015. Wow, has it really been that long? Uh, Since its initial release on Xbox, it's made its way to PC and last year it was released on Nintendo Switch. So it's got fluid movement, beautiful graphics, and amazing soundtrack and challenging gameplay. And that makes Ori an important part of any video game collection. So this one, it was coming out in February originally, but it's been pushed back to March. Uh, but Ori and the Will of the Wisps is definitely one to get excited for. This time, it's gonna be released on all platforms all at the same time. Personally, I'm gonna be picking this one up on Nintendo Switch as the side scrolling platforming works really, really well in handheld mode or on the big screen. Next up, it's Gods and Monsters. So Ubisoft did say that Gods and Monsters was gonna be delayed in 2020. However, I'm still hopeful that they're gonna release Gods and Monsters sometime in 2020. So this is inspired by Breath of the Wild for sure, with colorful, a rich open world to explore, This is likely to be one of the first games inspired by the latest Zelda game, and I imagine we're gonna see a few in 2020 or maybe next year in 2021. So this version combines Greek mythology with open world expansion, so what is not to love? Next up is Streets of Rage 4 and Streets of Rage brings back memories of 16-bit consoles to me. So I remember playing through the originals on the Mega Drive and the SNES back in the day and now Streets of Rage 4 is coming to modern consoles and bringing the side-scrolling beat-em-ups into the 20s. Next up is Final Fantasy 7 Remake and this one could be interesting this year so I think it's going to go either one of two ways you know the internet is going to love it and square will be the darlings of the gaming industry for crafting a masterpiece or perhaps maybe more likely people are going to be outraged angered and incensed that their childhood has been absolutely ruined <laughs> so square has decided to release final fantasy remake in parts and this is only going to be part one. So we don't know yet how many years this is going to go until the next part or even how long this part is. I understand it's going to be about Midgard. However, apparently some of the story content has changed. So I managed to avoid spoilers so far, but I really think this one is on the edge. So if you're a fan of the original, then you can't help but be impressed by the demos. But if you're new to the game, this is going to be an amazing gameplay experience. That's Final Fantasy VII Remake. Next up is Half-Life Alex, so this could be the one. You know, we need a VR game that breaks through. We've had experiences, partial games, good attempts, but nothing seems to have cut through to the mainstream yet. Maybe apart from Beat Saber. So sure, we've got Astro Bot, Pistol Whip, but ask the layperson on the street if they've heard of these games, then I, I probably wouldn't have thought so. So we need the Super Mario Brothers for VR, and Valve—they're hoping that Half-Life Alex is going to be that game. So fans have been calling for a new Half-Life game for literally years. And finally towards the end of 2019, we got that game, but it's not Half-Life 3 as perhaps most wanted. It's a VR game, but this could be the best VR game ever made. And the short demo certainly looks like it's gonna be pushing boundaries. Only time will tell if this game will cut through, but I'll certainly be checking it out. Next up is Hollow Knight Silksong. And Hollow Knight Silksong is the sequel to Hollow Knight. So this time you play through as the Hunter Hornet, where you journey to new lands, discover new powers and battle new enemies. So Hollow Knight is now one of the best Metroidvania games of all time, originally coming out in 2017. So Silksong, it originally started as an expansion, but it's turned into a fully fledged sequel. So Silksong has a whole new kingdom with forests, mossy grottos, gilded cities, as you ascend to the shining citadel at the top of the world. So there's new quests new enemies to battle and no doubt it's going to be as hard as it was before so included this time is silk soul mode which is going to test your skills into a unique and challenging experience so there's definitely a lot to look forward to here so next up is animal crossing new horizons and animal crossing uh, so this is the first outing for tom nook and the gang on nintendo switch so So Animal Crossing is a life simulation game where you create a character and move to a desert island after buying a holiday package from Tom Nook. You then proceed to explore, build and develop a community. So Animal Crossing New Horizons has got a crafting system that allows you to convert materials into tools and furniture which you can then use to decorate your island home. So you can customize your character to your heart's content. dynamic weather, tasks to complete, and you can invite animals to come and live with you. So this has local and online co-op play with up to eight players able to inhabit an island at a given time. And this one is set for release on March the 20th, 2020. It looks like a few games recently have been cleared out from March, so we're gonna get plenty of time to spend with Animal Crossing. So next up, it's Cyberpunk 2077, and Cyberpunk 2077, in development for a long time, and this is the next game from developer CD Projekt Red, creators of the Witcher games. So, they've got a reputation for huge RPGs, and The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is one of the best games ever made. So, Cyberpunk 2077 promises to be a futuristic RPG with an incredible story and loads of side quests. So, Witcher 3 was known for its depth of its side quests, with many of them being better than the content from some full games. As I mentioned before Cyberpunk has been delayed to September 2020 but it was originally slated for April 2020 so there's going to be a little bit more time to finish and polish and make sure this is going to be one of the best games of this generation. Next up is The Last of Us Part Two, and The Last of Us was one of the best games for the PS4 era developed by Naughty Dog and originally released in 2013. So The Last of Us Part Two is set five years after the end of the last game and we get to play as a 19-year-old Ellie who comes into conflict with a mysterious cult in the post-apocalyptic USA. So it's a third-person action-adventure stealth game and it's no doubt going to be one of the biggest of 2020. So next up, this one is a little bit of a punt, and it's Breath of the Wild 2. So this is not yet confirmed and I'm going to have to roll back on what I said in the intro about these being confirmed games. But as I mentioned in my 10 predictions for 2020, which you can hear on the last episode, I think we're going to get Breath of the Wild 2 in 2020. So this is definitely hoped for at this point in time. However, my thought process here is Nintendo is going to want something big to go up against the new console. So Nintendo could release an upgraded version of the Switch maybe, as porting next-gen games is going to get much harder on the current Switch model. I'm looking at you, Overwatch and The Witcher 3. So Nintendo let us know that Breath of the Wild 2 was in development at last year's E3. At the end of their Nintendo Direct, in a huge surprise, and uh, this video showed Link and Zelda exploring an underground cavern and coming across what looked like Ganondorf's corpse. There's a close-up on the entrance to a large dungeon-like area, perhaps hinting that the more traditional dungeons are coming back to the Zelda franchise, replacing the shrines of Breath of the Wild. So Breath of the Wild 2 could be just what Nintendo needs to go up against the new console generations. It's skeptical at this moment as to whether this is going to come out. But if it is, then we're likely to hear more at this year's E3 or during a, hopefully, a new Nintendo Direct, which may be coming out in February. So next up, this is really exciting, this one it's Godfall. And uh, this is an interesting looking PS5 exclusive launching in the winter with uh, with a new console. So I think it's coming to the Epic Game Store on PC too, but it's definitely gonna be a launch title for PS5. So it's been called a Looter Slasher, a live service Destiny-like game with swords instead of guns. And the trailer that was, sh- so there's been a trailer that was shown at the Game Awards uh, at the back end of 2019, and it looks really, really cool indeed. You know, we all know the perils of launching a live service game. Many have tried, and most have failed. Um, most have come kind out of half baked, and then they strive to recover. So Destiny made it, but Anthem didn't. You know, so what will Godfall be like? You know, one thing is for certain: the armor looks really, really cool. The sword's are huge, elaborate, and I can imagine this one being loads of fun. Uh, I know in 2019 there was loads of Dark Souls-inspired games. And uh, if you can imagine that like, if you go and have a look at the trailer, the armor looks really cool. The, uh, the swords look awesome. And if you can imagine kind of Dark Souls stroke, Sekiro stroke, Bloodborne style combat, that is a recipe for success. So we haven't seen much of this game yet. And I would expect more of it during state of plays from Sony in 2020, as they're, they're gonna wanna start building the hype for the PS5. And as this is a launch title, we expect this one to launch in winter 2020. And finally on the list it's Halo Infinite and the Master Chief will be flying the flag for Xbox once again as a launch title, this time with Halo Infinite. So I'm sure that Microsoft will be hoping that Halo Infinite will do for this Xbox Series X what Combat Evolved did for the original Xbox. So we don't yet know what the Infinite means, you know, are we going to get a live service game or does it mean something else? You know, we got a cinematic preview of this at E3 last year during the Microsoft press conference. However, we're yet to see gameplay, so surely E3 is gonna be a big one for Microsoft and the Chief will no doubt be there and probably Ninja as well, because Ninja, I think he used to be a pro Halo player. You can just imagine him being on stage um, with his partnership with Mixer and uh, yeah, well, representing, representing Microsoft. So this one as well, this is gonna be a launch title for the new Xbox. So we expect this one in winter 2020. Well, so what do you think? And what is your most anticipated game of 2020? Let me know by signing up to Patreon on patreon.com forward slash this games. And if you're enjoying this Week in Video Games podcast, then head on over to iTunes. And it'd be great if you could leave us a nice review. It really helps get the word out about the podcast. So if you've got access to iTunes, then head on over there and leave us a nice review. I'd really, really appreciate it. And don't forget that this week in video games has a YouTube channel that goes alongside with the podcast the YouTube channel has the entire archive of the podcast as well as dedicated reviews interviews and features So search this week in video games on YouTube and subscribe today for all the latest content and and if you want to see anything specific on YouTube sign up to patreon at patreon.com forward slash this week in video games it would be great to hear from you well next up let's take a look at control I'd like to tell you about a dream
1: I had last night. In my dream, the hiss had broken free of this prison, this house. At first,
0: many people thought it was horrifying. But also, many people wanted to welcome the hiss in. Funny, and that's all I can remember of that dream.
1: This is an ordinary
0: song, about an ordinary girl, from an ordinary So ever stepped into a building that you've just been searching for your whole life, only to find that the director's dead and the murder weapon is somewhat alive? Well, that's what we've got with Control, the latest game from Remedy Entertainment, creators of Max Payne, Alan Wake, and Quantum Break. So this is a game which is gonna make the hair stand up on the back of your neck for all the good reasons. So the game, it opens up with our heroine, Jessie Faden, you walk into a typical New York skyscraper called the Federal Bureau of Control. So, this is a place that Jesse has been searching for for a long time. Somewhere in this building are the people responsible, or Jesse believes, for kidnapping her brother 17 years ago, and she's here to find the truth. However, the building is seemingly empty, other than the caretaker who seems to think that Jesse is here for a job interview. Jesse makes her way through this ominous building which gives off shining vibes. It doesn't look like the hotel no but this place has an energy so Jessie makes her way up to the director's office and the former director is on the floor with a single gunshot wound to the head next to him lying on the floor is a gun called the service weapon so Jessie looks down picks it up and as soon as she places it in her hand she's transported to another dimension So upon finding the service weapon again and taking out a few bad guys, Jesse is installed immediately as the new director, as only the director can wield this weapon. The Federal Bureau of Controls HQ, known as the Oldest House, is in a mess and it's being evaded by creatures from this other dimension, they're called the Hiss. Confused? You probably will be, but don't let this deter you. You know, Control is a fantastic game, it sends tingles down your spine as you explore the FBC using your service weapon to dispose of enemies. So Control, it's a third person shooter, you're puzzle solving and it's got elements of Metroid and Zelda. There's great action using this service weapon to dispose of mob enemies and bosses, as well as unique puzzles and backtracking to find power-ups to help you progress through the oldest house and uncover the truth of what happened all those years ago. So the shooting is one aspect of the game. Another are the psychic powers that Jesse has developed throughout the game. So, since that day her brother was kidnapped by the FBC, Jessie carried in her head something called Polaris. This helps her develop mental superpowers, such as the ability to pick up and throw objects at her enemies, be it chairs, concrete from the wall, you know, whatever. Anything that's not stuck to the ground and sometimes actually the ground and walls themselves. So later in the game, Jessie develops other powers allowing her to progress through the oldest house. So much like Metroid games from the past, as you kind of develop through the game, you pick up power-ups which allow you to get to new areas. The game is contained in the FBC's headquarters with the occasional visit to other dimensions. So the building, it's huge, it's got multiple floors and it's our job to rescue the employees that managed to somehow survive the attack from the hiss and restore order to the oldest house and resolve the mysteries of the past. Even though Jessie is immediately confused by the event, she takes to her new job of director immediately, working with the staff to uncover the clues as to what happened and why. So there's a running internal monologue in Jessie's head throughout the game as she tries to figure out what's going on, who to trust and ultimately what happened to her brother all those years ago. The seemingly simple service weapon is your main focus for the gunplay and control, however this can be upgraded much like your powers throughout the game. So the service weapon starts out like a pistol, then it's a shotgun, a sniper and eventually becoming a rocket launcher. The variety of guns is just enough and coupled with your psychic powers makes Jesse a formidable protagonist. So there's a variety of enemies in the game, from your zombie-like employees who've been taken over by the hiss to flying types and bigger enemies still shooting it reminded me of the division in some aspects you're taking out shields from enemies ducking behind cover and picking up health you have to take care and think about what you're going to do and where you're going to attack for sure so running in all gun ho is not going to get the result that you want enemies can heal one another and coordinate their attacks. so planning out your route through a gang of enemies is a must in control So the game looks fantastic, you know, it's one of the most beautiful games we've seen. The textures, the character models, together with great cutscenes, it's going to have you immersed in this world from the moment you step into the game. The grey, the white, the dark areas are in stark contrast to the deep, swirling reds and oranges when enemies attack. The bold typographic entrances to new areas pop from the screen, coupled with the atmospheric soundtrack, will make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. I played this in the dark with headphones on and in parts this was truly terrifying. <laughs> Control has the amazing ability to make you feel very tense as you play and any game that can grip you by the emotions like this is a winner in my books. So throughout the game, weapons and abilities, they can be upgraded to make Jesse more powerful than before. So you use these powers to get to a new area that you couldn't get to much like the Metroidvania games of the past and present and add new mods to your array of weapons to kill a boss that's stopping you from progressing. It's all put together really well in a beautiful package. So Remedy has put together some fantastic games in the past, but this might be their best game yet. The exploration of the FPC, the story, the gunplay, the abilities all come together in a perfect package, complemented by the gorgeous visuals and the audio design. This is certainly one of 2019's best games, and if you missed it, it's one to pick up as soon as you can. So the game was developed by remedy entertainment it's available on pc ps4 xbox one and it was originally released on august 27th 2019 and i gave the game final score of 86 out of 100 but what did you think of control let me know sign up to patreon and uh, it's patreon.com forward slash this week in video games i'd love to hear what you thought of control and working your way through the fbc really really fun I had a really, really good time with it, and uh, as well, it's it's pushing graphical performance forward. This game looks absolutely fantastic on PC. I know it had a little bit of trouble on consoles, but I would love to hear what you thought. Well, that's it for my review of Control, and next up, I've got an interview with Jay Bayliss from Bitten Studio to talk about Leonard's Inception, so let's go to that interview now. Welcome back to This Week in Video Games, and I'm here with Jay Bayliss, and we're here to talk about Lenner's Inception. So, hi Jay, how's it going?
1: Hey, not too bad, thank you very much.
0: And uh, last time I saw you was uh, EGX Res in uh, 2019, and uh, a lot's happened since then. So, uh, how's it, yeah, how's it all going with Lenner's Inception?
1: Yeah, it's been great. Um, so, we launched on Steam and Itch on Friday. Um, We've had lots of positive reception. Um, kind of like streamers, kind of taking interest and in a bit of community building up. It's early days, but I'm kind of excited to see where it all goes. Yeah,
0: I, I saw a little clip on Twitter. Someone was playing it, and uh, it seemed like the text was bit the the, the text was almost being modified. as, <laughs> as The guy was playing it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, what happened there? So. In game, you get a very early on you get a mobile phone item where the NPCs can kind of call you up and give you updates on the situation and what you should do in certain quest lines, and we thought it would be very amusing to add a feature where we could send messages using this phone call system to particular like people playing it at that moment, (laughs) and um, we've had some amusing reactions from it. I guess the kind of game has this kind of strange meta and also kind of unnerving feel to it. So it kind of works out in terms of the vibe of the game. But um, it's it's been funny seeing people react so positively to that.
0: And um, so for those who don't know, could you tell us a bit more about Lena's Inception? I can. So Lena's Inception is a kind of procedurally generated
1: action adventure pixel art indie game PC. Um It's kind of like a pastiche homage to like classic Zelda games. Um, And it also has this kind of big component of procedural generation um, in a way that's maybe a little more involved than the typical assumption that comes with procedural generation um, where the kind of whole game world is created for you. And then you play out a single player run through that generated world as opposed to kind of like maybe like roguelikes that have randomized dungeons and things. Um this is a bit more advanced in terms of it knows where to place obstacles and then place key item locations and things that kind of tie into that.
0: That's that's really cool. And um so I'm I'm um I'm about five hours into the game at the minute and I'm really, really enjoying um what I'm playing. And I one interesting angle that I saw was so the main kind of hero is dead and uh, uh, Lena who's actually the 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 tutor um, in the game has to take over could you tell us a bit more about um, that that angle
1: yeah I guess um, in a way so lots of especially fantasy games will rely on like the kind of like the chosen hero or the destined king kind of tropes about those bloodlines that give them kind of like priority in terms of making them the hero of that story and it's kind of killing off that trope quite literally to have our boy elf hero lance who is unceremoniously murdered at the start of the game it's kind of us killing that off quite literally i guess
0: no, I really liked it. It's a really, a really different angle. But um, Lena's not alone, though. Um, Lena has uh, companions. Uh, so, could you tell us about the companions that are in the game, and um, you know what, what their, what their function is, and yeah. things like that? So, um,
1: as I mentioned before, it's kind of procedurally generated. So, one of the aspects of that is the, the order you find certain items is completely random. So, you'll find maybe, like, a powerful item early on that will help you on a certain run, or you'll find something that you'll encounter later for one player would be encountered earlier on for another. And the companion aspect is kind of an extension of that, where there are these kind of, I guess, like, pet familiars, almost, that you kind of stumble across in the game, and you can fulfil certain conditions, and they'll follow you around. And it's quite funny to see someone maybe get a powerful one very early on and have an easier time in the early game while someone else is playing, and they and had like a weaker one for the kind of remainder of their experience. And uh, as a consequence, some of them have become quite popular. The uh, chicken that you start with, that is a cowardly chicken for most of the game, uh, has proven to be quite popular. She's called Henrietta. And I didn't realize it until maybe five days ago, but it's a hen called Henrietta, and it's actually a pun. (laughs) There's a lot of deep-nested puns in the game that I actually haven't even kind of clocked on (laughs) to.
0: And um, oh, that, that, that's really that's that's really cool. Um, you, we, we've mentioned a couple of times the um, the procedural sort of generation aspect hmm. of the game. And uh, uh, what kind of challenges do the procedural generation throw up to you um, as as the game development team?
1: Um, so hmm. I guess that's probably something that my colleague Tom would be able to better um, describe. I think what's so advanced about the procedural generation in Lennon's Inception is that it kind of creates a perfect functioning game maze where you will only be able to go as far as your items allow you which force you to go into the next available dungeon get an item from that dungeon and that will give you the ability to proceed onward in the overworld um and I guess the challenge is making that function really I mean um kind of like nailing the generation so there's no bugs in it, because it's very stressful for a playtest to go wrong because an early version of the game, suddenly, you know, you run into a a dead end and it's, you know, that you can't continue in the story. I guess that's the disadvantage or the challenge that arises from something where the whole world is generated across a story, as opposed to a simple run or a simple level in the game.
0: And then I guess the procedural generation from a, from a code um, perspective is quite quite a challenge. But you've, you've also, in Leonard's Inception, got um, a couple of different art styles as well. Um, could you tell us a bit a bit more about that? Yeah, so that kind of ties into the
1: history and origin of the game. Um, so my colleague at Byton Studio, um, Tom, uh, this was kind of like a his like side project that he was working on in his spare time. He wanted to figure out if he could make a procedurally generated zelda style game essentially um and then around 2015 um i'd met tom previously because we were working together at the time and i saw he had been drawing the game in kind of like an 8-bit um lynx awakening style kind of like game boy palette and game boy kind of style fidelity art and i basically proposed the idea of hey um i'm pixel artist full-time i can Draw it. I can draw you a version of all your assets that is in a kind of Game Boy Advance style, and that way your game maybe will have a bit more mass appeal because I feel like the lower fidelity graphics you go, the more kind of niche appeal you kind of gain from that, especially with the fact that a lot of people find pixel art games already quite an acquired taste. I get guess. So I basically came in and said, "Hey, I'll uh, redraw your game. It won't take me very long." it'll take me six months. And I said that five years ago. <laughs> the real lesson here is that games take a long time to make and everyone gives estimates that are maybe a little bit too optimistic.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, Um, um... Making estimates is is the hardest thing to do. Uh, I've yep. I, I've I've worked in software sort of development before, and it always mm. takes double or triple the amount, yes, the amount of time.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure how many times six months fits into five years. I'm sure the
0: math you can figure out. It's
1: I'm a little bit <laughs> off there.
0: And um, well, that must have added a bit of workload for you then. With with two graphical styles, did you go back over the the eight bit style and kind of re- um, redo that? So. Tom
1: kind of continued to draw the 8-bit style as he had been going. Um, so we're kind of developing both stat- both things in, like, parallel. Um, so there'd be assets where maybe he would draw something and then I would draw my version of it. Or um, I would draw, like, a boss design and then he would draw his, like, retrofied version of the same boss. Nice. Um, so it kind of went back and forth. Um, and then pretty much almost exclusively everything that is in the 32-bit style is something I drew. And everything
0: that's in the 8-bit style is something he drew. It's really cool. It's it's a it's a beautiful looking game. Thank you. And um no, I'm i I'm I'm really enjoying my, my, my playthrough so far. Um it's one of the unique things that I really like about it. it's the local kind of co op mode. Um could you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yeah. Um it was kind of a... have you ever just played like a game and just thought, like, I just wish someone had stuck a local multiplayer in this, like it not put too much thought into it. Um, it kind of stemmed from a, wow, it sure would be fun if this was in the game and in a way that wasn't too difficult to implement. Um, and then we kind of discussed for a while the best way to kind of like seamlessly add that in that kind of fit with the narrative and the themes going on in the game. And then, um, so currently how it works out is that you meet... So, in the story of the game, you are as Lenny, you have replaced Lance, the hero in the story. And you go to this there's like kind an of evil temple and you're confronted with Shadow Lance, who's expecting to fight Lance in a generic mini boss fight, only to find out that Lance is dead. So then they become shadow learner and then they're really chuffed that you freed them from the fate of being a mini boss and join you. And it's kind of like a funny kind of play on kind of generic <laughs> fantasy tropes. And there's, a, and there's a few bits of, like, uh, she's got a little bit of a side personality here as well, so there's a few bits in the game where you'll get unique dialogue if you're playing as, like, uh, Shadow Lena to kind of integrate her a little bit more seamlessly into the story.
0: I like, I, I like the kind of tongue-in-cheek um, references to to games, like, in, <laughs> in, in, the first, um, in the first few minutes, actually, when, when um, Lena and Lance go to the tutorial area. I thought that was really... <laughs> That was really good. And um Also you've got um another kind of unique feature is um uh, you've got daily challenges in the game as well. Or or challenges in the game. Could you tell us um, more about the challenges?
1: Yeah, I think that's um just kind of an extension of how do you you've got this game that maybe like a playthrough is gonna be like three to six hours long. Um maybe you'll play through a few times because it's like various different endings, but then ultimately how do you kind of Maintain a community around something like that, and with the game already able to kind of create dungeons and with different parameters, a logical extension of that is to create kind of recurring content that can keep people playing and kind of like um, trying to reach certain scores and kind of like compete against each other. Um, so the game kind of supported the reoccurring challenges already by its very nature of design. So it may kind of came as came as a consequence of that, really.
0: Yeah, it's really, it's really, really good. And um, like, like I say, I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of these kind of top, top down, old school um, RPGs. And I love, I love the artwork. I love, I love the, I love the play style. It's, it's fant- It's right up my street. So, for those who don't know, and um, how and where can players get hold of the game? Um, well, we're
1: on Steam and itch.io. If you use that as well, um, yeah, it, the game is. $10, which translates to about uh, £7.20, very specific. Um, and yeah, you can just find it on the Steam store. Um, we're also selling it with a, alongside the soundtrack, which is kind of, um, has the whole, alongside the art style, actually, the soundtrack is also split into kind of 32-bit and 8-bit styles as well. So um, we're selling that alongside it and then bundled with it. And Yeah.
0: it's it's really really cool and congratulations for thank you for launch Uh, it it must because you launched on friday right Mm -hmm. and how's how's it been since friday it must have been must have been quite a roller coaster leading up to that moment and then kind of pressing the big go live button it's such Mm -hmm. an interesting one because this is kind of like where we've just formed our
1: Mm -hmm. kind of like micro studio i guess i would describe it um we're self-publishing so it's it's who knows how these things are going to go. You know, um, we're releasing a kind of indie-style game, but only on PC. Um, so it's a real. We had no real expectations as to how it was going to go. Just the idea that people are playing it and enjoying it
0: is pretty exciting. As it is, I guess. And um, so, tell us more about um, about your studio, and because uh, last t- last time, like I say, uh, last time we spoke. Um, we were at EGX, Res, and um, I, I think I think you were working with Chucklefish at the mm-hmm. time. And, yeah. Uh, so tell us about your your journey from kind of where you were um, to where you are now.
1: Um, I guess so. I was working alongside Tom, and we both worked at the same studio. And it was just kind of a we worked well together. We wanted to make more things together, and we've been working on Lens Inception* in our spare time together and making games in your spare time as well as full-time is kind of like a tiring thing. So it just kind of made sense to us to try and transition and do that, do our side project stuff together as a full-time endeavor, essentially. And so, yeah, uh, around like uh, summer last year, both of us moved to Brighton and now we kind of work together, work from home and uh, yeah, make games. <laughs> it's very much, this is like early days for us. So we're just going to kind of, see how things go, see how the reception is and how things play out for us kind of longer term.
0: Sure. And Brighton, there's a good community of um, game developers and a kind of a general games community down there, right? Yeah, it's very kind of like,
1: it's kind of an artsiness to it, um, which I find nice. And uh, also much cheaper rent, which is, you know, I can't complain about that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and you've got the sea there as well so, it's lovely so, yeah. <laughs> yeah and um so how how do you go about um coming up with your ideas and kind of select um, obviously um this is the first game that you and tom um have got together uh, to make um and you mentioned it was a, a side project so i guess how did how did um, lenna's inception come about um well, I guess for
1: Tom Leonard's inception was because he wasn't working in game development when he started it. It was his foray into that and and kind of stemming from a love of kind of Zelda games and things. Um, and then I guess where I came from, um, <sighs> developing games in my spare time and doing pixel art and stuff was something I've just always been doing. I've been making kind of like small scale. Many like terrible games since I was like nine or ten using Game Maker, version whatever it was many years ago. You know, um, it's kind of yeah. It's it's interesting how it kind of like has all come together. I guess.
0: Well, con- congratulations! It's really. It's really wonderful that you've, Thanks. um, you've connected with someone, uh, you know, and, and you've gone out there and you're, um, you know, you, you're putting out your games and did you say you're self publishing as well? Yeah. We're just kind of doing it like, from ourselves. Like
1: it's published by Biden studio. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's kind of like, we're very much the little guy at this point. Um, we don't have marketing money or a uh, budget or anything, um, so I'm interested. I am interested in seeing kind of where we go from here, or how things shape out for us. But
0: <laughs> it's a it's a really good opportunity, I guess. To um, I guess if you're self-publishing, you, like you say, you're doing the you're doing the marketing, you're doing the communications, you're doing the PR. Um, and from from what I remember, um, you're an artist by uh, by. Uh, Uh, trade um and uh, so there's there's definitely loads of other areas to kind of get stuck in with how how have you found that um i guess for letters inception it's like a
1: kind of small scale there's only so much reach you'll get with a game you're not going to like kind of come up against like the big league kind of triple a games and things it's kind of been manageable um where things will go from here, whether we'll continue to self-publish, um, possibly, possibly not, we'll have to see. I guess it kind of depends on how it shapes out for our next projects and how they or if they happen, you know. Um, mm. it's, it's all very kind of like fresh ground for us, I guess. And it's kind of exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, like I say, congratulations um because it's it's um it's a real it's uh it's a really exciting kind of time for you as a young um as a young studio. Mm-hmm. Um so um what what do you think's what do you think's the next steps will you, will you be coming up with more ideas together?
1: Yeah, we've got well, we've got some kind of like early ideas in the works um of varying kind of ambition and budget and how and what we can get made will kind of depend on how the finances shake out um people have been asking us about porting lens inception so lens inception is actually uh kind of primarily java which means that it's uh not necessarily a one click port um for a console if it really took off it would maybe be something we would look into kind of like continuing as a franchise or doing yeah. a remake for consoles and things, but it will really depend on the reception and kind of like the financial justification of it all. Um, other than that, where we go from here, um, I'm sure we'll continue making games that are kind of around the ball zone of kind of like pixel art, um, games we like to make. Yeah, we'll have to see. I'm sure it'll be just as weird as Land Inception.
0: Um, <laughs> And uh, I'm sure people have asked you the uh, the Nintendo Switch question before. And... Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> as much as I would like to play, I think, again, it was the
1: cost investment would have to be yeah. worth it, if that makes sense. Like, we could have to extrapolate how long it would take to put it on console versus how much kind of attention we think it would get to do that.
0: Of course. Yeah, of course. And um I guess I guess the next step is going out on the road and taking the taking the game to um uh, conventions and uh, things like that and uh, drumming up kind of, you know, as as much support as you can. And yeah, um I'm that's that's one of the reasons why we're here talking today. So I'm happy to happy to help out. Oh, I um, appreciate it. <laughs> well, um, good. You know, good luck to both you and Tom with the with the new studio. And I wanted to move slightly away from the studio and talk a bit about you. Okay. And um, so, how how did you first kind of get into game development?
1: Um. Well, as I said as I said before. Like I used to, as a kind of in the sense of isolation, I would just make games for my own ends. Um, there was uh, when I was growing up, there was not this kind of pixel art indie game boom that didn't really exist. I feel like off the top of my head, that kind of really kicked off around like 2011, uh, when I was kind of finishing up high school, you know, when games like Terraria came out, or even like Minecraft was kind of really starting to take out, like take off. Um, And then I just kind of stumbled into working directly on games just by being online and posting things online. but it was never something I ever kind of. There was never a sense that this was something that you could do, I guess. And I feel like a lot of game developers who are a bit younger than me have grown up with that visibility of an indie game market that exists, you know. Um, they've known that this is a thing that you can do, and it's probably much more advantageous to them to kind of grow up with kind of a bit more direction than maybe I had.
0: And, um, yeah, I guess these days there's a, there's a lot more, um, I guess, specifically uh, or specific university courses for that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot more kind of um, steered kind of uh, direction. So that's, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: And there's a lot more kind of spokespeople from the industry who will give you the time of day to let you know how you can get in. There's a lot more of a kind of public-facing effort towards hey if you if this is something you're interested in here are the steps that you can take to kind of be involved in it you know
0: mm-hmm. i remember there there was a lot of good workshops at um egx and um, Res last year there's kind of if you know if you want to yeah, kind yeah. of do this role do this and um oh it's it, great
1: yeah definitely
0: and um so if you if you had any advice for anyone who wanted to kind of get into uh, the gaming industry what what would you what would you say
1: um oh that's a tricky one. i guess um it depends which aspect of the game industry you want to get into if you want to get into kind of triple a say you want to be like an artist or a kind of programmer it's a lot more kind of mechanical you know if you want to be a an environment artist you get good at modeling, you know, take a course at university that will like give you the skills and time to hone those skills, put together a portfolio. Um, I never did any of that. I'm sure there's a lot of people much younger than me who can 3D model far better than I can. Um, When it comes to indies, I think it's a lot more about what you can bring to a studio. It's more about kind of So, indie games, I feel, are very personal, or at least their advantage they have over AAA, the AAA brothers are that you can put so much more of yourself into a game that has a small team. It can be much more of a a reflection of yourself and your desires and interests and aspirations. And I would just tell people to make weird little games, I guess. (laughs) Just make stuff and... When you finish making those things, even if they're bad, you have a story to tell about them, it's almost like it's not actually about the games themselves being impressive. You shouldn't try and you shouldn't start off by thinking, okay, I'm gonna make it's like GTA, but it's it's real, or it's like Pokemon meets Skyrim, or just just do something kind of small and interesting and that kind of feels like something you could make, and that gives you something to talk about. I guess. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah the, i think that there's real there's real value in turning up to a chat with someone say you're interested in a in a project or a studio actually mm-hmm. i think you mentioned the, the value earlier of a portfolio and um, demonstrating um demonstrating that you can make something you've actually gone through that process and it, often it's very yeah. difficult at the beginning um, because you know people want experience but you can't get that experience because you haven't worked on a big project but I yeah think that's it's terrible it's really good advice that, that you're saying you know just find a little kind of concept and go through that process and then um, you know perhaps even sort of offer up critique to that and uh, yes yeah, that, that's that's really good advice Um so with all with all this making games, Jay, um, mm-hmm. do you actually get time to play games in your spare time?
1: Maybe not as much as uh, I would like. Um, I play. I tend to kind of like find a couple games a year and kind of get really into them. Um, what did I play recently? I recently played, um, do you know, Katana Zero?
0: Yeah. That was yeah, a great it. game. I loved I was... it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was an excellent example of like very well presented, like just solid mechanics, solid pixel art, solid writing, just all around like a oof, this is if you just start playing it and you just know like this is this is high quality,
0: you know. Yeah, um, it was really a good I love the vibrant colour to it. Yeah, um, it had a very kind of good feel. Everything felt very yeah.
1: kind of solid, even the way that like text boxes kind of display and then like they shake and how text flies all over the screen when you interrupt someone. It was all very, like, chunky and satisfying to experience. <laughs> um, I also got really into Fire Emblem last year. That was a pretty solid game.
0: Nice, nice. Um, Which house did you choose?
1: I chose Golden Deer. They, sound, nice. they seemed like the most uh, morally justified. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you, you,
0: you going to pick up the DLC
1: for that? Oh, I, so it's, tr- it's a tricky one because I felt like I couldn't justify spending another 60 hours of my life playing the other two branches if they're, if they're very similar content, you know, if you know what I mean? Like, especially yeah. if the first half is almost the same, I, like how much of my life should kind of justifiably sink <laughs> into um, teaching my, my war children, you know? Um, I'd be tempted. I did see the DLC and thought, oh, be- it's been long enough now that I could maybe... Like
0: dive back in, we'll have to see. And uh we've had more um Fire Emblem characters added to Smash. Much, oh, to, the, <laughs> much to the uh
1: outcry Sugar of it, yeah. the
0: community, and people wanting uh Waluigi and, and um... they were
1: just so convinced that you know Dante was gonna be in there and yeah. it just turns out that, you know, people still like Fire Emblem, they're gonna get in there every time. Um, <laughs> and, that wasn't uh, surprising. I'm I'm big into Smash Bros. I find and uh I like following it maybe more than I like playing it, but I do like playing yeah. it a lot. Um it's fun. Yeah. It's fun discourse.
0: I um I recently watched the 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 Smash um documentary on the the series on, on YouTube and I, I started getting into um kind of watching um melee tournaments and things <laughs> like that. So I yeah, I love I love that stuff. Um but yeah, I need to, I definitely need to kind of get um I was on a plane recently, and I, I kind of had a bit of a practice, and I'm like, oh, I'm just really bad.
1: <laughs> out, you're out of, the, out of the loop, you know, a bit rusty.
0: <laughs> and talking of games, um, have you got anything that you're kind of looking forward to uh, this year? So, it's everyone's talking
1: about how much of a big one it is this year, and it's like, this. you know, it's like, oh, there's so many games coming out. You've got... Um, cyberpunk coming out this year is the last of us coming out this year or am i just yeah last
0: of us two? that's real okay yeah
1: um i'm not i'm not super excited for anything i'm sure cyberpunk will be fine i'm sure that i do not have a huge attachment to the last of us um i'm sure doom will be fun animal Mm -hmm. crossing um I kind of invested a lot of time on that back back when it first launched in uh, the GameCube version. I put the most time into. Yeah, and I think I I feel like that's the version that I will always have put the most time into, and I'm kind of a little bit reluctant to kind of like do it again. I feel like it's very much the same kind of feel. It'll be the same kind of game again. I'm sure it'll be great. Um, uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake that'll be fun. I guess I'll probably check that out.
0: I know what you mean though like for me like uh, yeah I think all these things look really exciting um uh, we've got the new consoles as well that's going to be that's going to yeah. be super fun but for me like so, last like in 2019 I I discovered a lot more indie titles than I than I ever had done um before so uh, that, that I think that's the thing that I'm looking forward to is the uh, the things that either haven't been announced yet or the or the surprise kind of Um, Indie titles, and I think the first one that I'm um, looking forward to this year actually is Temtem coming out this week. Yeah, it's it's early access, right? I think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. um, It looks very. I'll probably check that out. Um, I love the genre. I would love to have a crack at the genre of the kind of Pokemon-esque game. Um, Yeah. I. Feel like Temtem is knows exactly what it wants to do, and maybe the Venn diagram of what it's trying to do with doesn't necessarily align with what I want from the Pokemon kind of genre.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but it certainly is very interesting, and it's certainly a very ambitious kind of like, you know, these guys going to like beat Pokemon. That's like, you know what? Fair play for <laughs> shooting for yeah. the moon there. I respect that. Um, I will probably check that out, and I'm sure it's pretty good. I've seen the reception early on. It's been pretty positive. Um, and certainly, a, a Pokemon MMO is something that people have always, you know, discussed as something they really want to make happen or we really would, like, love to play. Uh, I'm not huge into MMOs myself, but, like, I can very much see that that's something that people
0: want. And um, it's, it's interesting because Game Freak has almost been unchallenged in that kind of creature collection genre for for a long time and yeah uh, you know... i feel
1: so i feel like to an extent
0: everyone conflates the
1: success of the genre with the success of the brand and you can't outbrand pokemon it's the ultimate brand it's the most successful single brand in the whole world that there era has been you know um but if i think to an extent people who like pokemon like the genre and Indies are starting to realise that, and I think we're not going to see... We're going to see the start of Indies kind of really getting into this particular space in the next year or two. I think it's the next thing that's going to happen. I feel like there was a boom of Metroidvanias maybe like four years back that's kind of starting to slow down, Mm. and this might be another boom we're going to see. So that'll be uh, interesting.
0: I certainly hope so. I, I think especially with... The, the latest release of Pokemon mm. didn't quite, it it was good, but it, it didn't quite live up to the perhaps very, very high expectations <laughs> that the... I
1: feel, like, <laughs> I feel like what's what it was is that the fans were hoping this to be a last-ditch reinvention of the franchise, and now yeah. they've truly internalized that things are not going to change for the franchise. The franchise knows what's good for it, and it doesn't need to stray from that path, and that's fine. It makes sense for Pokemon, but now people are starting to think, okay, they're sticking to that. Where do we go from here, you know?
0: I think that's that, that's one of the good things about Temtem is it's sort of it's pushing the boundaries and taking it in a bit of a new direction. I think in you know, in any in any kind of business or in any um you know in any part of life, competition is a good thing and it, it oh, makes definitely it makes um companies and products better and then hopefully then the audience kind of wins out in the end mm-hmm. um, but yeah brilliant well jay I've, I've taken up enough of your time today oh, not and, at all. <laughs> um once again um congratulations for the uh the, the launch of um Leonard's inception and and um once again um if you could let people know um, sort of where to get hold of it and uh, also uh, if you've got social media if you want to give that a shout out that'd be great
1: yeah um so inception it's on steam it's ten dollars slash seven twenty pounds um seven pounds twenty not seven hundred and twenty um yeah check it out um if you like pixel art games indie games if you're a big fan of zelda or procedural generation um yeah. Uh, in terms of social media, we have a company account, uh, just, uh, twitter.com slash byton studio. Byton is spelled B Y T T E N. So it's kind of like byte, like megabyte. It's a pun that maybe isn't as successful as we'd like, but we're stuck with it now.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's awesome. <laughs> and, um, well, yeah, Jay, it's been absolutely um absolutely fantastic speaking to you and I wish you and Tom all the uh, all the success for the future and um I hope you, I hope you come back to this week's so video much. games and I'd absolutely uh, love
1: to next time we have something interesting to discuss definitely. <laughs>
0: next, next time we launch a new project I'll be happy to happy to talk to you again. So yeah, Thank well, thanks very much Jay. Thank you no very worries. much. Take care. Well that was me there talking to Jay Bayliss and thank you Jay, really really appreciate you taking your time to talk to me on this week in video games and uh, good luck with Leonard's Inception. But next up let's have a look at my first impressions of that game we were just talking about Leonard's Inception. So the legendary hero is dead, and a strange glitch is spreading across the kingdom. So Leonard's Inception is a new action-adventure RPG that looks like Zelda games of old, and it's out now on Steam and Itch. So Leonard's Inception is a top-down RPG, it's got dungeons, bosses, and a neat story. So the kingdom is glitching, and the evil chairman of the Banker's Guild has captured the prince, opening up a world to the dangerous archangels. So as the hero is gone, there's danger around every corner and the world is at risk. So it's up to the reluctant tutor, Lena, to step up and save the day. So Lena's not on her own though. She's got the voice of the deceased elder to help her out. And perhaps he knows more than he's saying. So the kingdom is filled with dungeons and the eight archangels. So you've got to defeat these enemies and you've got to bring back order to the glitched out kingdom. There's a nice feature in the game where you can play co-op with a friend. So you can team up with Shadow Lena and you can play in local co-op, which is really, really nice. So you can also recruit companions and there's four in total and they're going to open up over time. So at the start, you've got a chicken called Henrietta and there's a sentient pumpkin as well. So look out for that. So Leonard's Inception art style is great. So you've got 8-bit and you've got 32-bit as well. It's really, really cool. So the colors, they're vibrant and they're bright and the characters are really, really well designed. It's a beautiful looking game. The fact that you can choose between art styles seems like a popular modern feature and these two styles complement each other really, really well. So the game is procedurally generated in part with multiple endings, it's got multiple bosses and boss forms as well. So you're not going to be able to see everything in a single playthrough, which is a nice motivating factor to playing through this a couple of times as well as the procedural generation there's also the challenges as well so there's a daily challenge and uh, that's been made with speedrunners in mind and you can add modifiers like you've got no sword only three hearts or without taking a single hit so you can make your way through these challenges and onto the connected leaderboard plus you can easily share a gif of your achievements so Leather's Inception is a great Zelda like game and the fact that you can play two player co-op is a really really nice feature so be nice to have this in online co-op, but hopefully that could be added in in a later update. So there's plenty to see and do, and the puzzles, they're really, really good. They're not too hard, uh, but they're not immediately obvious either. So pair that with the procedural generation, and there's plenty of reasons to keep on playing. So this is the first outing from Bit in Studio, and there's certainly one to keep an eye on in the future. But what did you think of Leonard's Inception? Let me know. Sign up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames. I'd love to hear what you thought of the game. That's it for my first impressions on Leonard's Inception. Next up, let's take a look at the charts. So at number 10 this week, it's up four places from last week's 14. It's Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Number nine this week, it's Yo-Kai Watch. That's a new entry. So at number eight this week, it's our old friend Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, up one place from last week's number nine. Number seven this week, it's Luigi's Mansion 3, up one place from last week's number eight. Number six this week, it's Warrior Wear Gold, and uh, that's quite an interesting entry for the charts. And uh, number five this week, it's down two places from last week's number three, it's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Number four this week, it's Grand Theft Auto V, that's up two places from last week's number six. Number three this week is FIFA 20, down two places from last week's number one. And number two this week is Call of Duty Modern Warfare, holding steady there at number two. And number one this week is a new entry, it's Dragon Ball Z Kakarot from Bandai Namco. And uh, yeah, congratulations to the team behind Dragon Ball Z for getting the number one this week. Well, that's it for the charts this week. Let's have a look at what we've got coming up in the next week. So we've got Journey to the Savage Planet, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One and PC, that's on the 28th. We've got Kentucky Route Zero TV edition, that's PS4, Xbox One and Switch, that's on the 28th too. And we've got two more on the 28th, we've got Pillars of Eternity 2, Deadfire, that's PS4 and Xbox One. Then we've got Warcraft 3 Reforged, that's coming out on PC. Then on the 30th, we've got Through the Darkest of Times, and on February the 4th, we've got a few more releases. So, have got Life is Strange 2, The Complete Season. That's PS4, Xbox One, and PC. We've got Monster Energy Supercross 3. That's PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. We've got The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance Tactics. That's PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, and Mac. And finally, we've got Zombie Army 4, Dead War. That's PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So let me know what you're looking forward to that's coming out in the next week. And uh, sign up to Patreon patreon.com forward slash this week of video games let me know what you're looking forward to and on that list I'd say probably Warcraft 3 looks really good Life is Strange 2 as well looks really good maybe even Pillars of Eternity 2 Well that's it for this week's episode and if you wanna get involved in the show, get in contact through patreon.com forward slash this week in video games or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments and your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. I'm available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram to search this week in video games on your favorite platform and join in that conversation. Well thanks again for hanging out and chatting about video games. I hope you have a good week. I'll talk to you next weekend, but for now, I'll see you soon.